Rod Dreher is a writer, a journalist, and an author of three New York Times bestselling books, The Little Way of Ruthie Lemming, The Benedict Option, and Live Not by Lies, which has been translated into 10 languages, has sold over 200,000 copies worldwide, and has just been published in paperback in the United States. He's a senior editor at the American Conservative Magazine and a visiting fellow of the Danube Institute, which is a think tank in Budapest, Hungary. Rod, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here, Kirk. Thanks for having me, though it's dark over here in Budapest right now. Yeah, yes, I, I, I see that. And I, I know you're so busy. I've, I've, I see you being interviewed by so many people. Jordan Peterson, a pastor friend of mine, just uh, had a long conversation with you at his church. And, and the topic is just riveting. We're talking about this subject of totalitarianism. And uh, for some people, that, that's a big, bad sounding word. I wonder if you could help us understand what it means. The word total is at the beginning and ism is at the end. What does totalitarianism actually mean? Well, totalitarianism was a political ideology that came out of the 20th century. And it means uh, a, a, a society or a polity where everything is controlled by the state. When we think of totalitarianism, we think of Nazi Germany or we think of Soviet Russia. And uh, we're People couldn't exist outside of the state. That's not what I'm talking about here, what we're facing now in America. I think we're facing what I call soft totalitarianism. It's a situation in which one ideology, we call it wokeness, political correctness, call it what you will, but one ideology has taken control of every institution in American life. Almost the only one that it hasn't taken control of is the government. And that's where uh, there's a big struggle going on right now. I tell people that if you're thinking about totalitarianism in terms of the Cold War, of this, of Soviet tanks and gulags and things like that, you're going to miss what's actually happening right now, where this single ideology is taking over, but it's doing it through comfort, not through pain and terror. This sounds like uh, cancer that begins to metastasize and spread throughout all of a society. That's what you're describing here. And in the scriptures, we, we read Jesus talking about the kingdom of God should be like leaven that leavens its way through the entire lump. That's talking about heavenly influences coming into our homes and our, our churches, our places of work and our government. But what you're describing is a, a, a terrible virus that is making its way through a culture. And it sounds like it's the beginning stages of that really scary stuff you talked about with Nazi Germany and, and Russia. Is, is that right? Is, is what we're experiencing Absolutely. I think persecution is definitely coming for the church, for those Christians who aren't tame, who haven't uh, bowed down to the idols of wokeness. Uh, I think that if people look back to what they read in high school, most of us read Orwell's 1984. Some of us read Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, which uh, is the other great English language dystopian novel of the 20th century. What we're dealing with now, Kirk, is much more like Brave New World. That was a world in which people were sucked into the system by being entertained all the time, by being fed drugs and entertainment and sex. People didn't want to leave that system. In fact, there's a, a showdown between the dissident who lives outside of this system and the world controller for Europe. This is in the novel. The world controller says, why wouldn't you want to join us? We give you Christianity without tears. 
In other words, they're taken care of all the time from cradle to grave. They don't have to worry about anything. There is no suffering there. Um, and the dissident says, I actually want suffering. I want God. I want love. I want poetry because there's something about suffering that makes us human. Mm. And this world, this dystopian world promises people to take away all their suffering and make the whole world a safe space. This is the tyranny that's upon us now. And one more thing, in Brave New World, the world controller says, we've gotten rid of God. We don't have any need for God because everybody's taken care of all the time. This is the great danger facing the church now, that we have become so fat and so rich and so comfortable in our liberties that uh, we won't stand up for the Lord if we're put to the test because it's going to cost us. What will make the light bulb go off for people? What, what actually happens where people recognize that this is a bad thing, not a good thing? Well, the light bulb has gone off for people in the United States, primarily among immigrants who came to America to escape communism. They began to sense in their bones that something wicked was coming to America, something that reminded them of what they left behind back home. Uh, and it was confusing to them at first, too, because they don't see any bread lines. We don't have secret police in America, but they could see people losing their ability to speak freely. They could see people losing mm. their ability to testify to their faith publicly without having to fear for their job or fear being attacked as so many Christians have been attacked. Uh, the thing that sparked this book, in fact, was the attack on Memories Pizza. Do you remember that, Kirk? Uh, years ago, I think it was 2015, little evangelical-owned pizza parlor in, uh, in Indiana. When it became known that they would not cater a gay wedding, suddenly there was a national uh, Twitter mob that descended on them. They had to close the pizza parlor down and get out of town because there were death threats. When that happened, I got a call from a doctor in the Midwest uh, saying, I need to tell somebody this. My mother is elderly. She lives with me and my wife. But early in her life, she spent six years in a Czechoslovak prison for practicing her faith. She refused to stop going to church. The communist government put her in prison and tortured her. When she got out, she came to America and married my dad. I've been here my whole life. She's telling me, son, the things I'm seeing happen in America now remind me of what things were like when communism first came. And she was talking about the mob that went after Memories Pizza. Well, when I heard that, I thought, well, gosh, you know, that sounds pretty scary. But my mom is old, watches a lot of cable news, gets pretty scared. So I started talking to people everywhere I would meet who had come to America from communist countries. And I would say, with all this wokeness, this political correctness, do you feel like that this is like what you left behind? Kirk, every single one of them said yes. And if you talk to them long enough, they would get so mad that Americans wouldn't believe them. Americans think it can't happen here. They're trying to tell us. Yes, it can, and it is. Let's rewind just for a moment here. Rod, what is the end goal of totalitarianism? Who's pushing this? Who, what are they trying to accomplish? Well, the end goal for totalitarians is to own your mind and your soul, to make you love Big Brother, to make you love your own oppression. A difference between totalitarianism and authoritarianism is that in an authoritarian society, all they care about is that you obey the laws. You can do whatever you want in your private life, but in, in a totalitarian society, they want you to think like them too. And for us Christians, that means we are going to have to conform to whatever the state and whatever the society ask of us. Uh, and that is going to mean specifically around LGBT issues. That is the neuralgic point. That is the thing they're going to persecute us on. 
And the thing is, Kirk, too, that this hasn't passed fully through the state yet. Traditional political theory says that totalitarianism requires a total state. We are showing that that is not necessary when you have big business, when you have the military, sports, media, academia, every major institution in this country has signed on to diversity, equity, inclusion, to critical race theory, to gender ideology and all of that, and are making it impossible for people to enter into careers in business, in medicine, in law, and all the things that used to be open to everybody. They're changing the, the rules now to where if you want to participate in, in those uh, professions, you're going to have to sign on to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, you know, and all, the whole package that comes with that. I think, Kirk, what's going to come down to is this is going to be uh, when they introduce a social credit system, which we might talk about later, when they're able to do like they do in China and monitor all of your purchases, everything you do, everything you read. It's all recorded in China, and they give you a rating, a higher social credit rating, meaning if you're a good conformist, means you have more privileges but a lower social credit rating, like if you go to church, you get a lower score. If you hang out with people who go to church, you get a lower score. You have reduced privileges. This is what I think is coming here. And they're going to justify by saying that Christians are domestic terrorists or a threat to democracy. We can see it coming right now. All of this is, is, is chilling. Can you give us an example of where Christianity has been squashed or oppressed in the past by totalitarianism? And is it possible for totalitarianism and Christianity to coexist together? Yeah, in my book, Live Not By Lies, the second half of the book is based on my traveling in former communist countries in Europe, uh, Russia, Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, talking to Christians who stayed behind, who did not run, but stayed behind and tried to live a life of faith, even under persecution. It was extremely difficult. I talked to this one woman, an elderly woman in Prague. She and her late husband were the only Christians in the inner circle of the dissidents there. And she told me, Rod, you mustn't imagine that all Christians did the right thing. Most Christians did what everybody else did. They kept their head down and tried to avoid trouble. There were a few of us who spoke up and we had a big price to pay. Rod, what would you say to the people who are thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is, this is the year 2023. This isn't Russia. This could never happen in America. We have the Constitution. We have the Declaration of Independence. We've got, I've got 10 Bibles in my house. I would say something that Georgie Vins, a Russian Baptist pastor who was expelled from uh, Russia in the late 70s and came to America to freedom, something he told the Baptist, when he got to America, he said two things you need to know. Governments can change overnight. And second, you need pastors to start preparing your congregations to meet in the woods. This was in the late 70s, and it seemed even crazier than to think that this sort of thing could come, come here. But as Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the greatest of the anti-Soviet dissidents, said, Everybody in the world thinks what happened in Russia couldn't happen here. But in point of fact, it could happen anywhere on earth, given the right circumstances. Hannah Arendt, one of the great scholars of the 20th century, she did a book after the end of the Second World War called The Origins of Totalitarianism. What she wanted to do was to look at Germany and Russia and see just why it was that those countries welcomed the Nazis and the communists. She found a few things that all of these pre-totalitarian countries had in common. 
going down her list and realizing, my gosh, she's talking about America today was absolutely chilling. We want to get uh, into more and more of this. Uh, I want to talk about your book, Live Not By Lies. Tell us, Rod, what does living not by lies have to do with totalitarianism? Solzhenitsyn, just before the Soviets expelled him in 1974, he sent out a communique to his followers and the Soviet Union. He said, look, we don't have the power to go stand in Red Square and shout out that this government, they're totalitarian, they're oppressors, they're evil. What we can do, though, is refuse to say that we believe things that we don't believe. So he told them, live not by lies. When you're asked to sign something that you know is false, don't do it. When you're in a public meeting where truth can't be spoken, get up and leave. By withholding our approval of the lies they expect us to, to, uh, to assent to just to be part of the society, we can in some small way strike back at this evil system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Rod, we're talking about a subject that is, is chilling. It's, it's frightening. We're talking about totalitarianism, this, um, this, this religion of sorts that is uh, being rolled out, and it has throughout history, and we're beginning to see the signs of it here in the United States of America, wherein a group of people want to totally take over not only society but our, our minds and our souls to get us to think in a particular way. And it seems to be the opposite way that God and the Bible wants us to think. <clears throat> Rather than God being the supreme authority, a man or men or a group of people set themselves up usurping the power of God so that they become uh, just <clears throat> the, the, the ultimate sovereign of the people. Is that right? That's exactly right. And you know, one of the most painful things for me, Kirk, oh, living now in Eastern Europe as an American, is to meet fellow believers who came through the Cold War. And they, they say to me, what happened to you? Meaning you Americans. They say, we used to look to you all as a beacons of hope and of freedom. And now we're afraid of you because it's from America that all these crazy ideologies like gender ideology, like uh, transgenderism and all that comes from. They are afraid of us. The people who used to look to us as their brothers and as, their, as those who aided them are now looking to us like Babylon. I want to talk a bit about taboos. Uh, you, you speak of this in, in your book. Uh, what, what are you talking about uh, when things become taboo? Uh, are these just unpopular ideas? Uh, is, is this uh, the, the woke mob saying that conservative values are no longer uh, able to be talked about or practiced? That's right, that you cannot discuss them because if you discuss them, you haven't just said something unpopular, you've said something that defiles something sacred. So uh, this is the thing we really have to worry about. Right now in our country, we have freedom. We have freedom of speech and freedom of the press, but that may not be the case forever. Uh, earlier this summer, 
we saw a study come out by a guy named Eric Kaufman at the University of London. He studied the political opinions of young Americans, American adults, age 30 and under. He said it was terrifying what he found. He found that uh, an overwhelming majority of these young people do not believe in free speech. They do not believe in freedom of association, and they do not believe in freedom of religion. They think that whenever speech, association, or religion offends against some sacred minority, like LGBTs or whatever, then it should be suppressed. This is something that is coming to our country if we don't turn things around quickly. It's not something that can be turned around only through politics, though. This comes out of a culture. This culture of totalitarianism has been cultivated in them by the schools, by pop culture, and by parents and churches not pushing back hard on it. I live in California, one of those crazy states, and you reminded me of a story that you heard about here in California. Would you would you share that with everybody? Sure. Uh, a few years ago, after the Obergefell ruling legalizing same-sex marriage passed, the head of the LGBT caucus in California and the California legislature uh, wanted to change the Cal Grants program, which uh, for those who don't know, Cal Grants provide state direct uh, funding to poor students so that they, that they can use in any uh, accredited college in California, public or private. Well, this guy wanted to change it to where they couldn't use these at so-called bigot colleges, which is to say Christian colleges that aren't on board with progressive attitudes to LGBT. What this would have meant had it passed and become law is that over 100 Christian colleges in California would have either had to violate their conscience or um, shut down. So some friends of mine were Christian college administrators there. They try to rally the mega churches to get behind the Christian schools and fight this. They told me that every single pastor, megachurch pastor they went to said, oh, we agree with you, but we're not going to say anything. They were terrified of being called bigots and being uh, being made pariahs in among the middle class in Southern California. My friend, the college administrator, said the only way that we won this fight was the black Pentecostal pastors of South Central Los Angeles and the Latino Catholic Archbishop of Los Angeles. But if they had had to depend on middle-class white Christians, they would have lost. This is the kind of cowardice that the church absolutely cannot afford, Kirk. It can't. We are running out of time right now. Now that we're all uh, shaking in our boots here as we recognize the reality of what you're talking about. We see it all around us. I think there's a sneaking suspicion in the spirit of every follower of Christ that uh, we are in a bad movie. The ending is not good, but for the heroes that rise up in the middle of the movie and save the day, what can we do to eradicate this? What can we do to push back? Well, I think uh, we have to fight back culturally, politically, as hard as we can, using the liberties that we still have to to push back against these people who would try to silence us and cause us to lose our jobs. However, we don't know what the Lord has planned for us. If we want any share in Christ's triumph, we also have to share his suffering. Uh, I believe that we need to act like this man I've dedicated the book to, Father Tomislav Kolakovic. Father Kolakovic was a Catholic priest in Croatia in 1943 doing underground work against the Nazis. He heard that the Germans were coming to arrest him, so he escaped and went to his mother's homeland, the country of Slovakia, and began teaching at a Catholic university there. Now, that country is almost entirely Catholic. 
He told his students, I have good news and bad news for you. The good news is the Germans are going to lose this war. The bad news is that the Soviets are going to be ruling our country when it's over. And the first thing they're going to do is persecute the church. We've got to get ready. So what Father Kolakovich did was put together prayer groups, groups for prayer, but also study, where they would come together and talk about very openly and directly what they were seeing in their society, how they should react as Christians, and what practical things they could do to get ready for persecution. Within two years of that priest coming to that country, there were these little Kolakovich prayer groups uh, all over the country. His own bishops told him, Father, stop it. You're scaring people. You're being an alarmist. But he didn't stop because Kolakovich had trained in seminary to be a missionary to the Soviet Union. He knew the communist mindset and he kept working. Sure enough, Kirk, in 1948, the Iron Curtain fell over that country. The first thing the communists did was persecute the church. Because Father Kolakovich and his group of followers, including some clergy, but also a lot of young lay Christians, because they got involved and didn't waste the liberty they had, the underground church in Slovakia was strong during 40 years of persecution. My message to American readers is we are living in a Kolakovich moment right now in our country. We don't know when our liberties will be taken away. So we need to start forming these groups right now, networks of groups, know who you can trust, know who you can't trust, and start preparing what about what you're going to do when the question is asked of you, do you deny Jesus Christ? It's not going to be answered directly, asked directly, but it's going to be asked of all of us. We have got to be ready for it. Rod, I look back through history and I see times where tyranny prevailed, but then because of small prayer groups like Kolakovich and others, uh, the Clapham groups in England, there is such a thing as revival. So do you think that yeah. we need to be working toward revival as we're, as we're preparing for potential suffering? Do you think that, this, uh, that, that there is a great comeback for America? Is, that a, is there a play in the playbook for a 98-yard field goal here uh, <laughs> and a touchdown? Or is, is this like, hey, guys, you know, buckle up and start, 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 your, start your doomsday prepping? Well, the truth is we don't know what God has in store for America. I think that we will not be able to come through this intact as a nation without revival. It's clear. Solzhenitsyn, the great Soviet dissident, uh, said that when he first went into prison, when they sent him to the prison camps, he asked some of the inmates, how did this happen? How did this disaster come on our country or the, the communist revolution? And they told him, men have forgotten God. And he thought that was a very trite, shallow answer. But at the end of his long stay in prison, he realized that that was, in fact, the truth. This horrible totalitarianism took, took hold in Russia because the Russians had forgotten God. If we in America forget God, and it looks like certainly with the younger generation, if you look at the statistics, we are forgetting God. And even a lot of us who go to church and are in there every Sunday, uh, we have forgotten God in terms of the, the way he impacts our life and the changes he wants mm. us to make in our lives. If we forget God, we're going to go down as a country. And I think one of the most difficult things for people like me, I'm a conservative Christian. I vote conservative politically and I'm conservative theologically. One of the most difficult things for me to, to, to struggle with is the idea that America is not 
the America I grew up in anymore. And it really comes home, Kirk, when, as I told you, I talked to these people who suffered in communist prisons and who drew so much hope from America. And now they look uh, over at us and they despair. In your book, you talk about a three-step plan that gets us started. Uh, can you tell us what that mm-hmm. plan is? The first is C. Yeah, C, judge and act. This was something Father Kolakovich implemented when he organized his groups. It was a simple method for them to discern together as believers what to do. C means to look around you and, and, and be cognizant of what's happening in the world around you and your local uh, situation as well as national. Judge means to discern, to talk among yourselves, to talk about what the Bible is telling us and what the Holy Spirit is telling us would be the, the right thing to do facing this crisis. And then act is to not just leave it at the stage of discussion, but go out into the world and make changes. One of the, the critical things that the Kolakovich group did was they taught themselves how to withstand an interrogation. I mean, that sounds like crazy spy stuff, but it came in really, really handy for them when they were being held by the communists and being being forced to try to rat out their their fellow believers. Uh, These are the kind of things that we need to get started doing now, because by the time we recognize the need for them, it may be too late. And I, look, Kirk, I don't want to scare people because the Lord is in control, but we also have to realize that the um, that the Lord calls calls some of his people to suffer and even to give their lives for him. In my book, Live Not By Lies, I tell the story about this uh, incredible Russian Christian, Alexander Ogorodnikov. He was put into prison in 1978 by the Soviets, and they put him on death row, even though he didn't have a death sentence, because he had come from a prominent communist family, and they wanted to make an example of him. So he gets there to prison, starts witnessing to the, the hardest men in Russia, and people began to convert. The warden puts him into a a solitary confinement to make him stop witnessing. Well, what happens is they're they're beating him, they're torturing him, and he begins to lose faith in the Lord's presence and the Lord's mission for him. Then he told me this in a hotel. He was crying, talking about it. He said that an angel came to him one night and woke him up and showed him a vision of one of the prisoners to whom he had witnessed and who had accepted Christ being led to his execution. Remember, these were murderers. Every night this happened, and he finally realized, Ogorodnikov, that the reason that he was being shown this was to help him understand that the Lord sent him into that prison so that these men who were going to their execution would be in paradise with Christ. And that is how Ogorodnikov regained his faith in the Lord's mission. So we have to understand that the Lord may call, call us all to suffer and suffer greatly. But if we suffer with him, in him, and through him, there will be victory. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.